Matthew 21 and verse 9, you know these things very well. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Praise God. And when he said Hosanna in the highest, it meant I want all heaven to enter into this praise of God. Something that the angels can shout with us. Something that is beyond just this earthly veil. Hosanna in the highest is not just lifting Christ in the highest, but inviting those in those high places, angels of the Lord, to just worship with us. Not because of salvation, but because of who He is. He's the captain of the Lord's host, the commander and chief of heaven's armies. That's why he's going to lead them in Revelation chapter, uh, uh, the last few chapters. He's going to lead them uh, on horses <laughs> that he leads on a white horse with a name written on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And the armies of heaven followed him because he's the captain of the Lord's host. Can you say, man, the commander of heaven's armies? And he leads them. Praise God. Amen. John 12 and verse uh, 13, very familiar. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Amen. Zechariah is a precise promise because Jesus refused a chariot like uh, someone of his caliber normally would be in. Uh, a conquering king would usually have a golden chariot with six white horses pulling it Jesus chose a donkey and it is symbolic of victory in some certain obscure area but really what he was demonstrating was that he didn't come to bring his kingdom at that moment physically to this earth when he comes again he's not coming on a donkey he's coming on a white horse when He comes again, He's not coming to be crucified. He's coming to rule and to reign. He's coming to judge the earth. And He's going to be so different than people are expecting to see Him as. And if you want to see what He's going to be like when He comes again in His glorified body to judge the earth, Amen. If you're looking for the doe-eyed Jesus that gave Himself over as a sacrificed lamb, you're looking for the wrong Jesus. Can you say Amen? You'll have to read in the book of Revelation and see Jesus as He is right now and as He always will be. Amen. When He looks at you, He won't look at you with those eyes of fire. He will look at you with eyes of love. But that's because the grace and mercy of God has been extended to you. But the, those who have trodden underfoot the everlasting blood of the covenant, He's going to stand as judge. And the Bible said they are without excuse. There will be no excuse before God. How shall they escape if we neglect such a great salvation as this? What possible excuse could we give in light of His sacrifice to save us and His blood that was shed in our behalf? Hosanna is an easy thing to say. Let me give you some background on Hosanna. Wasn't it easy? Let's try it. Hosanna! I mean, there are churches all over the world this morning singing Hosanna and saying Hosanna. That crowd was jubilant. 
saying and singing Hosanna. Let me give you background where it first occurs. We hear the word all the time, especially on Palm Sunday. We equate this word with the moment the children of Israel were shouting praise to Jesus as he made his, as they call it, his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. By the way, I want to get back to something before I miss it. He said, go and tell this man that has this donkey tied, I have need of thee. Now, isn't it amazing? The God of the universe made flesh tells a man with a You never know what God may need from you that you think is not good enough to even think about giving you. But if he wants it for a divine, and the divine purpose was to fulfill what he did in his whole earthly ministry, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. Can you say, man, he did this, he said that. This was an ancient prophecy, and he was going to fulfill it to the letter as the Messiah, Zechariah 9 and verse 9, rejoice greatly. This was not an arbitrary thing, an accidental thing, an incidental thing. This was a direct, distinct fulfillment of prophecy when he asked for a donkey to ride into Jerusalem. Zechariah 9 and 9 says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Can you say man? The Messiah, the King of glory is coming to you, but not in the way you expect him. He's not coming in the way you expect him to come. And that was the problem with their high hosannas. He wasn't coming to do what they expected him to do. We understand Hosanna, looking back on it. They didn't get it yet, having experienced it. They were jubilant because they thought Jesus had come as the true Jewish Messiah. And you know what really convinced them? To where there were tens of thousands of people there that day. You know why they had come? They had followed Jesus to that city because He had just did one of the greatest, most extraordinary miracles that is ever recorded that He did at the tomb of Lazarus. Listen, turning water to wine and multiplying the fish and loaves can't stand against a three-day-old dead man who had already begun to decompose. Can you say man? That he said, Lazarus, come forth. And in his grave clothes, the dead came alive. He declared himself at that moment to be the, just prior to that, to be the resurrection and the life, to have power and authority over death and the grave, and demonstrated it at the tomb of Lazarus. And when they spread, the truth of that event, and they saw Lazarus, who they knew died alive and well. Wow! Did they get excited about Jesus? Amen? But there's a danger in just being excited over His miracles and not understanding His mission. He didn't just come to be a faith healer. He didn't just come to lead a rebellion against Rome. They were so excited. They said, Rome has invaded us. Rome has enslaved us. And now the Messiah has come. And He's going to lead a rebellion against Rome. We're going to overthrow Rome. That's not what His mission was. So when they had said, Hosanna, and they were so excited, 
Part of it was the fact that they were convinced He was the Messiah. They were convinced that He was the Anointed One. Because, listen, raising the dead was no small thing. (laughs) That was a great thing. It happened occasionally in the Old Covenant when the prophet would lay on a dead boy and and breathe and breathe and breathe into him until he came back alive. But that was a rare occasion. It happened when the anointing on a prophet's bones was so strong that they put him in in this urn. They used to put him in an urn until they then take the bones after the flesh decomposed off of it and dried up and take the bones and put it in a box. They found a box, got all excited, archaeologists did, and some Christian, uh, you know, people got all excited because they found a bone box dated about 2,000 years ago with the name J-E-S-U-S on it. And they got excited. And then they thought, well, wait a minute, if he's buried and here's his bones, then he wasn't resurrected. By the way, he had his bones when he was resurrected. Because when Thomas doubted, he said, come and put your hand right in here. And he knew he would feel bone when he put his hand in his side. He'd feel his rib cage. He said, come and don't be afraid to touch me. He couldn't believe it was him. He thought it was an apparition, a spirit, a ghost. He said, a spirit don't have flesh and bones. Can you say amen? Hallelujah you want to know what kind of body you're going to have he's the first fruits of them that slept can you say man hallelujah and he had flesh and bones hallelujah praise god i'm going to be there in my flesh and my bones you say brother Rumble, i know you're there i hope you will amen may not recognize me so much younger amen but but after a while you'll get used to seeing young robert venable amen and young, you got any pictures of him about 30? You do? Wow, what a handsome man. Hallelujah. Amen. And he still is. He can fool you. No one would believe that he's 62. They, they still card him, uh, you know, before they give him his free coffee. Honestly, he doesn't show his age. Willie doesn't either. Amen. I don't know how old he is, but he's don't show it. He's not. He's not. He's not. He's he's weathering it well. Praise God. This guy's weathering it well. Amen. You're weathering it well. Amen. Hallelujah. You don't look sixty-five. I love you. I'm glad you came today. Amen. Sitting between these two famous Christians. Don't, 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 don't say a word. Don't say a word. Amen. Just, it's okay. It's okay. It's going to be, I made her smile. I knew I could do it before the service was over. Hallelujah. Hosanna. It was so exciting. They were so excited. Let me give you background on that word and see what it really means. (laughs) We always assume the word is a term of praise and it can be, it should be. But actually, it's a plea for salvation. It's a plea for salvation. When those people were shouting Hosanna to Jesus, they were actually saying, please save us. Or I beg you to deliver us. 
And the deliverance they initially wanted was deliverance from the oppression of Rome. First time the word is found is in Psalm 118, verse 25. It said, Save now, I beseech thee. It's the only place that the word that is transliterated, Hosanna, is found in the Old Testament. Nowhere else. Only here. And it's not translated from the Hebrew to the Greek. It's transliterated. you know the difference? It means that they just took the Hebrew word and said it in the Greek language. They didn't translate it into... They just transliterated. They just brought it forward. It even has the vowels of the, of the ancient Hebrew word that it was. And it's the word Hoshiana. Hoshiana. Save us! Deliver us! Help us! It was a plea initially. And you can see how it evolved from Hoshiana to Hosanna. Transliterated, not translated. They kept the Hebrew. It's the Hebrew word spoken in the Greek language. That's all. It's not the Hebrew word re you know, translated into the Greek. It's just translated. That means it's just brought forward into the New Covenant. So they're saying, Hoshia na! Hosanna! You hear it. Only time. One solitary place. Psalm 18. And Psalm 1, I mean Psalm 118. It was recited... That's what they recited the whole psalm at the Feast of Tabernacles. With Psalm 113 and those in between. In responses with the priest accompanied by the waving of, well, isn't what a coinkadink. With the waving of palm and willow branches. The last day of the feast was called the Great Hosanna. The boughs were also called... Those leaves that were tied together to wave in celebration were called hosannas. So it was a plea. And it's so easy to sit in a service and just give a praise. But they were saying, Lord, deliver us. And they got it right. He is the Messiah. He was qualified by that miracle. God confirmed him through those kind of miracles that only God could do. Remember when the sea, I mean, his reputation was growing. Remember when the sea was so filled with storm-tossed waves it threatened to sink them? And Jesus was asleep in the hinder part of the ship? I used to have a picture of that. Because I had mentioned it and somebody got me, well, not a picture, a painting, and it was framed and... and, uh, Here's, here's these disciples looking, you know, like they're scared to death and the wind and the lightning and the black clouds and the ocean threatening to sink the boat and they're all worried sick. And Jesus is calmly sleeping. And that really upset them. How can you sleep in this kind of a situation? Have you ever wondered... 
God's in control. Have you ever heard the song from the 50s? You're not from the 50s. You don't know nothing about no 50s. Amen. Well, I'm going I'm to share it with you because you just can't wait to hear it. I'll see how many of you come from an era of 60s, 70s. In the jungle, I'll let you sing the mighty jungle. Oh, boy, all the oldies, right? Here we go. Here we go. Telling your age. In the jungle, the mighty jungle. No, it's not from the Lion King. That's contemporary. The lion sleeps tonight. And then there's the chorus. A wee ma 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 a wee You know why the lion is sleeping? You know why the lion is sleeping? Because there's nobody trying to hurt him because he is the king of the jungle. Amen. He ain't got no worries. Oh, well, I'm sure there are a group of hyenas that would like to surround a sick or wounded lion. But a lion in his pride with all the other lions laying there, he, he, he's sleeping peacefully. It's everybody else that's worried. Can you say, man, he's not worried. He, he's going to get up in the morning. I used to preach that message. Amen. In Africa, a lion and a gazelle laid down to sleep. At daybreak, the gazelle is going to get up ready to run. Because if the gazelle isn't ready to run, the lion's going to catch him and eat him. And the lion, he gets up ready to run because if he don't catch a gazelle he's going hungry and he's going to starve to death so whether you are a lion or a gazelle when you wake up in africa you better be ready to run can you say man amen and you know what we're told to do we're told to run not stumble stagger along but to run the race that is set before us can you looking unto jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith hallelujah Hosanna! Save us! Deliver us! Help us! They got it right! But they misunderstood His mission. Because they thought He's going to overthrow Rome. That's why Judas hung out with Him for three years. Because he believed he would lead a rebellion with supernatural power and the armies of the Jewish zealots that would join him and they would overthrow Rome and they would rebuild their sovereign cities and they would no longer be under Caesar's rule. Can you say amen? And when he allowed them to take him captive and looked helpless like a lamb Dumb before his shearers, he opened not his mouth. Because his mission was to go to the cross and bring something far greater than just a political and military victory that would give them temporary freedom. He did not just come to deliver us from Caesar's Rome, but from Satan's prison house of darkness. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he couldn't do it by just overthrowing Rome. He had to overthrow powers and principalities. He had to, he had to 
have a, a raid on hell. Hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody said he went to hell and they tormented him. No, they did not. Amen. The Bible said that God would not suffer his Holy One to see corruption. Can you say amen? He didn't do any sin. Satan had no grounds to torment him. The only time he allowed, he, he became as sin. Not because he sinned, but because he was taking the punishment for our sin. He that knew no sin on the cross only. Because when he came off that cross and the devil tried to claim him, there was no claim he could make on that man. Because he wasn't like any other man. Amen. He was God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. And never a man spake like this man. Because Jesus, when they woke him up, Jesus, wake up! And here's a misconception. I'm going to clear it up real quick. Jesus said, you know what he said to them? Soon he's over his eyes. Where is your faith? Because what did they say after they shook him awake? Don't you care that we perish? When he said, where is your faith? He didn't mean you walk out there and talk to the wind and rain. Now, we got some preacher boys that think that's what, what it meant. And they might be old as me, but they're still preacher boys. Because if they ever grow up in God, they'll understand it's not you, old hoss. It's him. It's all him. The authority is his. It's only in his name we can do anything. And apart from him, we can't do nothing. By faith or anything else. You know what he meant? You're doubting my love. You're questioning my love. Where's your faith in my faithfulness? Where's your faith in my love for you? Don't you care? And listen, as accusive as we may be in saying amen to that, when you pray a prayer and it's delayed... When you're going through something and you're hurting and you ask for help and you don't receive it the way you think it ought to come. Sometimes in our hearts, if we're honest, we're saying, don't you love me? Don't you care? If you love me, look like you'd take care of this. You'd take care of that. You'd do this. You'd do that. That's not how you gauge his love. His love has to be gauged by him staying on the cross. Not him hopping down here to... to to do every little thing that we desire. Amen. If he did that, your faith would never grow. Never grow. If he just came and you had to suffer nothing because God took care of everything, you could never develop patience. It's tribulation that worketh patience. And patience experience. And experience hope. And hope maketh not a shame. In other words, it never disappoints anybody that steps out on it. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. I prayed for patience, and He gave me what? I prayed for patience. Oh, I pray for patience all the time. I was standing in a line. Everybody was upset because the, the, uh, the uh, register went down with a big long line, and there's no cashiers, uh, you know, to take up the slack. And, and we're all standing there with stuff and... A lady's ice cream is melting, and she's melting. She took her buggy out and said, my ice cream is melted. I cannot stay here. She had a buggy stacked this high, probably $300 worth of groceries. She just pushed them over to the side, and she walked away. 
And I looked at the lady behind me and I said, I got a prayer that I pray all the time in circumstances like this. Lord, give me patience and hurry. (laughs) Well, He can't give you patience that way. It's the tribulation that works the patience and the patience experience and the experience hope. And you'll never experience how faith and patience work together to bring answers. Unless He takes you through something, not keeps you from it. Can you say, man, it's taking you through. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, trials, tests, persecutions, circumstances, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have her perfect work. That means, I love one paraphrase that said, don't always try to squirm out of your trouble. Amen. I'm a good squirmer. If there's any way out, if I, if, if I could really squirm out of it, I would squirm out of it. But, you know, God devises it to where I can't get out of it except by trusting Him through it. Because He wants to develop patience. I've told you this before, I've got to tell you again. If you're in a plane, the Bible said be followers first. This scripture I want to illustrate. Be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. There are people that, it's just not people God is keeping His promises to. There are people that are inheriting the promises that He's made because of faith and patience. Which wing in an airliner, if one is faith and one is patience, which wing do you want to fall off? Faith or patience? Neither. Because it requires both of them for the thing to fly, right? Well, see, some people don't get it. They're developing in faith, but they don't want to be developed in patience. But yet the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, you have need of patience. Everybody say, tell me about it. I believe I will. Amen. Hebrews 10 and verse 32. After you were illuminated, after you had the revelation of your lost condition and your Messiah and King and Savior Jesus, you endured a great fight of afflictions. And it wasn't just you. Your brethren has it too. I meet with pastors and when I hear them tell their their stories of all they've been through, I said, I love it. One of them said, the other day said, sheep are docile, but they bite. I thought, you're talking about your congregation? (laughs) Anyway, moving right along from that. (laughs) Yes, sheep got teeth. It's not really for, you know, defending themselves. It's for biting the shepherd if he ain't careful. Anyway, I don't want to go there. Just go somewhere else. But when they go through things, I take courage. I get rid of the Elijah complex. I'm the only one in Israel jealous for God and they want to kill me. He was wrong about that. God said, I got 5,000. No, I got 7,000 that have not bowed their knees to Baal. Hallelujah. You're not the only one going through something. You're not the only one being persecuted. You're not the only one being tried. Amen. Join the club. Can you say, man, it's part of our Christian walk. 
And if He can't develop patience within us, and I want to get back off of that, but it's for somebody here today or we wouldn't have got off on it. Amen. You have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For he that shall come will come, and he will not tarry. He may not be there. This is not the Scripture. This is post-Scripture. He may not be there when you want Him, but He's always right on time. Can you say amen? And He knows when, amen, to listen. Think it not strange, the fiery trial that is come to try you as some strange thing has happened unto you. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that, that you are able. Oh, by the way, when He says what you're able to bear is not you in your weak flesh. It's you with the Holy Spirit. It's you with Christ promising to never leave you. It's you with grace sufficient. It's you clothed with spiritual armor. Come on! You're not a victim! You're a victor in Jesus Christ! Can you say amen? Hallelujah! And what did Paul say? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I don't know how many times I've told the Lord I can't take anymore. And how many times I've heard Him say, Say what? You can't take it with my grace. You can't take it with my mercy. You can't take it with my armor. You can't take it with my peace. You can't stand it with my joy. You're telling me what you can't do in your flesh. I'm telling you what you can do with my Holy Spirit. Oh, give the Lord a hand clap. Keep both those wings on that plane. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I don't know what's coming, but something's coming. I feel a sense that something is coming. Glory to God. Something is coming. If we will just... James Cleveland. I used to put it on when I was stretched to my limits. Hold on. Just a little while longer, hold on. Just a little while longer, hold on. Just a little while longer, hold on. Hold on. If we can just hold on. Just a little while longer. Praise God when we think we can't, we really can. Because God will strengthen us. He will give sufficient grace to us. And while taking us through the fiery trial, He will develop patience in us. So the next time we see a promise, we can obtain that promise. Can you say, man, because we can follow the example of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And if every one of us that God has made promises to begin to inherit those promises. Woo! When God is... Listen, it'll turn that frown upside down. And what's an upside down frown? A, a smile. Wouldn't it be great to see Christians with such victories? Glory to God! I've really been through it this week. But God is developing me. And I'm growing in the Lord. 
And I'm going to come through this trial and I'm going to be better and not bitter. Hallelujah. 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 Right now, and let me get back to the Hosanna. They were so excited. Did you know what happened within one week? Many of the people in that crowd looking for Him to bring a material, physical kingdom and give them the temporary freedom that that kind of kingdom could give them, not the eternal freedom that salvation could bring. When they saw that He was not going to bring that literal, physical, material kingdom. Some of the people that said, Hosanna! Said, crucify Him. Give us Barabbas! And put Him on the cross! They became infuriated. i got to say something prophetic and something very important in just a moment. But when the priest heard them declaring that the Messiah has come and singing hosannas to Him, they were infuriated. And they wanted Him dead from that moment. And they set about to hatch the plan to kill Him. Here's the deal though. As awful as that was and as accountable as they are, along with Pilate, it was all part of his mission. Oh my, listen, the Bible said, if the princes of this world had known. What princes? Caesar? No. Pilate? No. You know what the real princes of this world? The Bible said there's a hierarchy of evil forces. Amen. They all wanted him dead. They wanted him dead at all costs. He's such a threat. Kill him. This started with the babies. They knew the prophecy. We don't argue against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. The rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Can you say, man, if they had known the plan of God, and the mission of Christ to go to that cross, to hang on that cross, to die on that cross for our sins, to conquer Satan through that cross, to lead captivity captive and give gifts unto men. They would have never suffered or allowed Jesus to go to the cross. It wouldn't have been angels defending him. He, he's the commander-in-chief of heaven's armies. And he told Peter, put up your sword. Put up your sword. You think you can defend me? And you think I would depend on somebody like you and a metal sword to defend me? Put up your sword. Peter had already tried to cut a man's head off. and The guy flinched and he just cut his ear off. And Jesus knelt down and picked up his ear, and the first plastic surgery occurred. Without, without plastic, can you say, man? The first, first stitches were put in without stitches. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He just put it back and the ear grew back. I don't need you and your sword. 
I could call the armies of heaven right now. But you see, that's not my mission. That's not my mission. That's not my mission. That's not my mission. That's not what I came to accomplish. It won't be accomplished until the wrath of God for the sins of fallen man is burned up in me that whosoever will could come and drink of the river of life freely. Can you? But, oh, don't see Jesus as a victim and get all... Oh, yes, understand His sufferings and appreciate it. But don't see Him as a victim of Caesar's robe. Or palace authority. Or the guards. Puny guards. They couldn't keep Him on the cross and they couldn't keep Him in the grave either. Can you say man? When the angel, just one, didn't have to call the armies of heaven. An angel shows up and they fell as dead men. Stone rolled away. Jesus come out. Angel sits upon the stone to keep him in. <laughs> He's still sitting there when they come to anoint his body. He said, why seek ye the living among the dead? I know who you seek. Jesus of Nazareth. He's not here. He's alive. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 That same crowd, along with the Sanhedrin, were infuriated at Him. They cried, Crucify! How fickle man can be when he puts the material and the physical above the spiritual and the eternal. There are people in churches right now wanting to, God to give them a Mercedes. God to give them a Rolex. God to give them a bankroll. God wants to bless you. But if you don't appreciate the blessing you have called salvation, you'll never be happy with a Mercedes. I was standing in line at Publix, and you'll never be happy with that house or that swimming pool, that little nigh. They won't make you happy. I was standing in line at Publix looking at those magazines about who's leaving who and who got mad at who and who's sick and dying and who's messed up and drugged up and all whacked out. And I'm looking at all these magazines, all these superstars that are so messed up and who's in rehab and who's, uh, who, you know, it's just crazy. I'm looking at all that and waiting patiently in line, reading the reading material. And I got up to the cashier and I said, I am so glad that I am not messed up like the rich and famous. They thought what they got was going to make them happy and give them the perfect life. They got the perfect house. They got a house with more bathrooms than bedrooms. Obviously, they have bowel problems. Can you say amen? I mean, you can't be happy like that. Anyway, they got, they got, they got it all. They got it all. They got the woman. Uh, Brad got Angelina. Angelina got Brad. They were supposed to be so close, they called them Brangelina. Brad and Angelina, Brangelina. But guess what? It's over. It's kaput. It's gone. And I'm saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you that I didn't fall for the material and the physical over the spiritual and eternal. I got a woman that's been content to live with me for 40, 50, 54 years next month. 
54 years. Woo! I feel pretty rich. I lay my head down at night and I sleep. The peace of God, if I wake up here, God is with me. If I wake up there, I'm with the Lord. It's a win-win. Hallelujah. They can't do that. You can't buy that. But when they found out he wasn't bringing the material, and right now there's a movement within the body of Christ. And it's based on the material and the physical. And believe me, if any one of those people has to sacrifice or suffer for Christ, they're going to be the first ones to turn their back on him. Because they're not following him for the right reason. Can you say amen? It's only one right reason to follow Jesus. I beseech you by the mercies of God. Where was it displayed? Perfectly, so powerfully, when he hung for six hours between heaven and earth, becoming our sin sacrifice. And if that isn't love, there's no clouds in the sky. And the sparrow can't fly. Can you say, man, if that isn't love? I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your body a living what? Sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. When the world embraces the gospel because it's temporal and physical and that's where they live. Something is wrong with the gospel. Can you say man? Jesus turned to those people and said, if you didn't see miracles, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be following me around the block if you hadn't seen the water turn to wine. If you hadn't ate the fish and loaves. If you hadn't had a physical healing, you would not be following me. And that finally, he got it down to the spiritual core. And he said, if you don't eat of my body and drink of my blood, you have no part in me. You've got to follow me for the right reason. And it's got to be spiritual and eternal, not physical and material. And when they found out, the Hosannas turned to give us Barabbas. The Hosannas turned to crucify him. And how many people right now would not be in church this morning if there wasn't a promise of riches, a promise of healing, physical? Oh, God has promised physical healing. But that's not why you follow Jesus. You've got to follow Him for a higher reason than just get your temporal body healed. How many know one day this old body's going to drop? It's appointed unto man going to happen one day. D.L. Moody saw it coming. You know what he said? He said, one day, you're going to read that D.L. Moody is dead. Don't you believe it? I shall have moved up higher. That is all. Hallelujah. And when he was dying, he was such a great preacher, (laughs) they tried to keep him here when it was time for him to go home. And they started praying around his bed. And he woke up, heard them praying, looked around and said, Don't pray for me to stay here. This is my coronation day. 
He knew about the crown of righteousness that's given to those that preach the gospel faithfully. He said, I'm getting ready to get my crown. Y'all let me alone? I tell you, when it isn't based on the physical and the material, but the spiritual and the eternal, take this whole world and give me Jesus, I won't turn back. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Will you stand to your feet today? God is gracious and God is good and God is on the throne. Hallelujah. 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 I want to make very sure that when I say Hosanna, I understand His mission and understand it's been accomplished. I need His help and I have His help. So the plea becomes a praise. Hallelujah. We're not like others who have no hope. We're not without God and without hope in this present world. Because the Lord is our help. Glory to God. The Holy Spirit is one called alongside to help. Can you say man? Glory to God. Hallelujah. How many are redeemed in this room? How many know that what we're about to celebrate is so wonderful, so powerful, so precious. Don't let Cadbury. Come on, you know it. The Cadbury egg, it's a good egg. When you find whatever laid that chocolate cream filled egg, I want one. <laughs> Can you say, man, I really, don't you want one of those? If the Cadbury Bunny lays chocolate cream filled, of course, bunnies don't lay eggs anywho, but if, it, if, if you find a miracle bunny that lays, in fact, if you find a goose that lays golden eggs, I'll take him home. <laughs> Come on, I'll take him home. <laughs> it gets so crazy. And there are people gonna gonna get up, get involved in the holiday, and forget the holy day. Come and celebrate the holy day, and then go home and and have a good time with your family, and eat whatever you traditionally eat on Easter, and enjoy every bit of it because you've given God first place. There are people doing other things than worshiping Him on Palm Sunday, and there will be people doing other things than worshiping Him on Resurrection Sunday. Because the world has intruded and they haven't pushed back. And honey, if you're going to overcome the world, you're going to have to push back. Because if you don't push back, it's going to carry you away from God. And there are so many people being carried by the current of this world away from God. They have no conscience about missing the great holy days. You would have not found them at the Feast of Tabernacles. You would not find them at the Feast of Trumpets. You would not find them at the foot of the cross. You would not find them because the world has carried them away. And when Christian parents do not model what is important to their children, it won't be long. Mark it. I've been a pastor 43 years and counting. It won't be long until the children say there's no real value in committing to Christ.
It was never put on the top shelf in my family. It was never modeled to me as that important. Train up a child. How do you do that? By telling him what's right and what's wrong? No, by modeling this in our life. My son knows where my priorities are. Some people get company and don't come to church. I got company. We'll bring them to church. Spend some time in church and then go home and take them out to eat. But let them know you're Christian. And Christianity is a higher motive than family commitments. Well, well, they want to go to the beach. Well, let them go to the beach and then you go hunt them down. Let them get sunburned. Give God His due. All He's asking is to be put first. Put His kingdom first and everything else you need that pertains to life and godliness, life here, and pleasing God. Favor with God. (laughs) He said, I'll add it to you. I'll make sure you are taken good care of. And you won't have to compromise your faith to do that. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, God loves to hear us sing His praises. And I love to sing them. So we're both going to get satisfied as this service closed today. Amen. I'm glad you came today. You can't come late to one of our services. It's going to be going when you get here. Oh, Lord, you went to the big one? Bless your heart. We're glad you found us back here. That's not us. I can tell you right now. Amen. They're probably having a good service. You can be late. We're happy to have you. It's okay. How After a while, you'll find out if you come again, it's hard to be late to one of our services because we don't quit on time. And everybody said? One of the best ones I've got in the whole service. Glory be to God. Oh, she went to the Jehovah Witness? No, you come on around the bend. You have went around the bend and come to our church. Bless your heart. God is good today. God loves to hear the praises of His people. And when we say Hosanna with understanding, we're saying God is our source, God is our sovereign, and God is our Savior. Can you say amen? When we need help, we know where it comes from. Hallelujah. He's the Lord of our life. He is our King, and He is our Savior. Hosanna in the highest. Let's give Him praise today. His favorite song of all is the song of the redeemed. Let's give Him praise today with the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir.